1: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home.
0: Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I N V I T A E.com. Before I had a baby, I would try to imagine what it would be like to be pregnant and give birth. And since I had nothing to go on, really, I guess I always imagined that. It would be a lot like my mom's experience, and, and that turned out just not to be the case. Even in the pregnancy, um, my mom gained I think about fifteen pounds when she was pregnant with me, um, and I by the end had gained um, about forty. And then um, the childbirth part, you know, that that was pretty different. My mom um, had a natural childbirth without any drugs. And the thing I remember her always telling me about that experience was that, you know, yeah, it was it was painful and it was difficult, but um, when she got to the pushing, it was such a relief, and and it was such an amazing feeling um, to have the urge to push and be able to do it, like to feel progress being made, and and like in the days leading up to my childbirth, when I was feeling like really terrified of it. Um, I kept remembering that, that that like, no matter how much pain I felt, that that like relief of pushing w- would come. And um, and then and then what happened was it didn't. It didn't because, um, you know, as I as I've talked about in uh, my first blog post and, and in a podcast episode um my daughter got stuck and, and because I had an epidural, I, it was really hard to feel the urge to push. And I was pushing for three and a half hours and the, and, and it didn't feel like progress was being made. It, it felt, you know, it felt like she was never going to come out. And i like, yeah, when, when she popped out of me, I, I did feel like that amazing feeling of relief that I think my mom was talking about. But, um, you know, afterwards it was hard, like, not to feel envious of my mom um, because I guess I feel like she had the childbirth that, um, that I had hoped for. This is the seventh episode of the Longest Shortest Time podcast. I'm Hillary Frank and today uh, I'm the baby in the story and my mom is the mama. My mom has been listening to this podcast and, and reading my blog. And, um, I think it, like, prompted her to want to tell me about her longest, shortest time. And, and as we talked about it, she, she pretty quickly, um, cracked my image of her having this, like, ideal birth. For, for one thing, um, she did have an episiotomy. Um, I think a lot of you know that, um, back when our moms were having babies, those basically came standard with hospital births. Uh, Also, there was this thing that that they had at the hospital that that I'm not sure exists anymore, um, where they had two separate rooms for childbirth. There was the um, the labor room and the delivery room. And you would be in the labor room basically until you were ready to push, um, and then you would be transferred to the delivery room. And um, my mom uh, got to the point where she was ready to push, like desperately ready to push me out, and um, there were no open delivery rooms. So they made her hold back for a full hour. And, um, of course, there were other things, too.
2: I was tied down to a table... You were tied? I was tied. My arms were tied down. God knows why. What was I going to do? <laughs> was I going to, you know, go for a gun?
0: <laughs> strangle <laughs> strangle the OB. <laughs> exactly. Was that just standard practice everywhere or just at that hospital or what? Um, it was probably fairly
2: standard hospital practice, but... There was, seemed to be tremendous concern in this hospital over contamination. And I think that's why my hands were tied down, so that I wouldn't be touching anything or getting germs. But, um, well, obviously, you know your dad is a photographer. And um, as a photographer, he wanted to get the earliest pictures of you. And we had had a prearrangement with our obstetrician, that your dad would would be bringing a camera into the delivery room, which was completely against hospital policy. And he concealed the camera under his gown, and when he pulled it out to take pictures, the first pictures of you when you were born, the nurses screamed. (laughs) Literally, they screamed, oh my god, camera! (laughs) But you know, he prevailed, and, and he did get some really great early birth shots. And they did eventually untie me. Um, I got to hold you, um, and then you were whisked away because you were underweight. Um, How much did I weigh? You were four and a half pounds, and you needed to reach five pounds in order to leave. You I,
0: I wasn't a preemie.
2: You were not a preemie. You were totally full term. And we never actually determined why you were underweight. You were just small. And um, they kept you in the nursery, and I had made the decision to breastfeed, and I was trying to feed you on demand. And the nurses in the neonatal nursery were not so happy with that. They wanted me to come up to feed you and to wake you on schedule so that you'd be on the same schedule as the other babies. And I said, how am I supposed to do that? She's sleeping. She's not hungry. And the nurses told me that I should take my finger and snap your feet. And I I figured they kind of knew what they were doing because they were nurses and I had never done this before. But it sounded pretty crazy. And I didn't do it. So um, I was travelling back and forth to the hospital at least twice a day, camping out on a couch in the hallway, you know, just totally exhausted and trying to, to give you what you needed. I did that for as long as I could until you were finally released against medical advice. Um what does that mean, you, you that means that You stole me from the hospital? Um, We stole you from the hospital before you were actually five pounds. Um, You were healthy. You were doing well. No jaundice. Um, The doctor said that he would release you if we really wanted you home that much, which we did. We really lobbied. And um, so we took you home with all kinds of admonitions about what to look for. And uh you were fine. And then and so how did the breastfeeding go? Whew. <laughs> the breastfeeding went okay in the beginning, but I started getting, you know, those hard, painful plugged ducts. Once or twice I had a breast infection and eventually a cracked nipple. It was not that idyllic, you know state of ecstasy that that the La Leche people described to me. There what, were, what did there, they
0: tell you it was supposed
2: to be like? Um, it, you know, the La Leche people I spoke to were total zealots, and they were, you know, breastfeed at all cost, Use the lanolin. Um, have the baby nurse out the plug duct. And I, I tried all of the things that they recommended Um, But at the end of about three months, I was in such excruciating pain that um, I finally sought out the help of a breastfeeding and breast specialist at one of the top hospitals in New York. And um, he examined me and had a very sympathetic conversation with me and basically said it was over, that... um, I can't believe I'm going to get weepy, but um, he, he said it really wasn't going to work.
0: So, wow, this is 34 years later, and it's still yeah. so emotional for
2: you. Actually, I haven't really gotten weepy about it ever before this, because actually I was in such dire pain that stopping breastfeeding seemed like a, you know, a perfect solution to me. And, you know, never mind that I wasn't able to complete something that I, I wanted to. But now that I'm talking to you, and you're a mom, and, um, and you know the importance of this, it just, um. I almost feel like I'm apologizing to you.
0: It's okay. I turn, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it turned out okay. I think it
2: did. I think it did. It just was not an easy part of the process for me.
0: So, so you were kind of relieved.
2: I was. I was relieved until I knew what I was in for in terms of stopping breastfeeding because I was still producing a normal amount of milk.
0: Which at that time, about three months, is a lot. Right.
2: And um, I got medication from my gynecologist, which was probably progesterone to decrease the milk supply, But it wasn't really working. Okay, here's where my memory is getting a little fuzzy. But I think that I was trying to pump when I got engorged. Um, In those days, breast pumps were not easily available. You couldn't get them from a hospital. You had to get them from a surgical supply. And so we were living in Brooklyn at the time, and... Dad went to some place that he found in the yellow pages that had a breast pump and he drove quite a distance to get it. He brought it home. It must have weighed over 10 pounds. It was all metal. It had glass cups. <laughs>
0: when, <laughs> when I hear you describe it, it, it sounds to me like, um, like the first computer, <laughs> you know, like it took up an entire room. <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, I won't say that the pump took up an entire room, but its aura definitely <laughs> took up the whole room, and it made a lot of noise. It was a very <laughs> noisy motor. Like, like what did it sound like? <laughs> oh, it was like warming up a car. just and and not a very well-tuned one (laughs) and (laughs) attaching myself to it was psychologically very difficult um but you know it did what it could do to help with the engorgement but I mean the only way to really stop the production of milk was to stop um cold turkey is not fun but in the bigger picture, you know, it, it's it ended up being minor.
0: You know, and it's funny, like, I think it's something that a lot of people don't know about themselves. Like, I, did, I had no idea I wasn't breastfed until until I had a baby and then it came out and we were talking about it. But it's not something I ever knew about myself. Yeah. Well, there you go. It
2: gives you a great start. And as I said, I was glad to be able to do it for three or so months. But um, I don't think it impacted your start in the world or my feelings toward motherhood in any significant way.
0: My mom, Leona Frank, lives in Westport, Connecticut. She's a children's art teacher, and um, she has a blog. It's called Leona's Art Class. Um, it, it's got instruction for just, like, really fun, easy art projects you can do with your kids. And and check this out. Um, having my mom teach me how to make stuff was um, probably the most fun part of my childhood. So um, it's at leonasartclass.blogspot.com. And as always, if you have a story about a struggle in early parenthood that you'd like me to consider for this podcast, go to longestshortesttime.com and click contact.
1: I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects and I have to go in there and find 10. So we open a drawer here and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? No, I'm looking <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff.
2: Fonzie's jacket worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days.
1: There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's... Pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac, or drop a crispy fry between the car seats, or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. ba ma ba 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 At participating McDonald's.